Welcome to the Flying Solo Podcast, a show for those going it alone in business. If you're working solo or have dreams of starting up, you'll find support, inspiration and advice at Australia's largest and liveliest small business community. Find us at flyingsolo.com.au or join us on Facebook. Here's your host, Robert Gerrish. Hello and welcome to another Flying Solo Podcast. Please don't forget if you're listening via iTunes, kindly give us a brief review of the show if you like it or even if you're not liking it just tell us um, it helps us an awful lot um, i should also just remind you that support for this podcast comes from our friends at sendal the door-to-door parcel delivery service that's cheaper than the post office head to sendal.com forward slash flying solo to get free sendal premium worth 120 dollars a year and you'll get an extra dollar off every parcel you send so that's got to be pretty good. Now, I'm very excited to be speaking to our guest today, Stuart Brown, a digital marketing specialist who's built a couple of fabulous online businesses, including one of the largest wedding directories in Australia and the number one online gift registry that's trouncing David Jones and Meyer on Google search results. So that's no mean feat. Stuart's learned a lot of things on his journey so far, and one of which is don't be fooled by followers. So Stuart, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited. Good. So look, don't be fooled by followers. So I know you've got some stuff to talk about here. So what do you mean? Yeah, look, um, it's something that obviously I spend a lot of time, even in my own sort of leisure time, speaking with people Mm. that have their own uh, startups and small businesses. And really, there's typically a couple of really common themes with uh, the way people approach social media, and one mm. of the one of the really common things that comes up is is what I sort of uh, call follower envy. Right. Um, when people set up, typically they set up a Facebook page uh, as their first sort of port of call because it's familiar to them. Sure. Um, and they start, you know, they'll set up their page and they'll start naturally, you know, seeing what their competition are doing on mm. social media and and you know, seeing what they're doing and what I'm not doing, and pretty quickly it. It become it's it's really common for them to get obsessed over the number of followers that that their competitors have, and you know I've only got fifty followers and they've got two thousand followers or whatever the numbers might totally. be. Totally. Look, this must look like you. I, I also come across people like that, and indeed, you know I can't pretend I'm totally uh, free of, of of that sort of envy. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, I can't remember who said it. it was a lovely saying which. Um, Oh, I wish I could remember who wrote it, but it says something like that. Uh, Every time I hear of the success of a friend, a little part of me dies, which is a very, <laughs> a very sad little thing. But I think in, in business, you know, it does happen, doesn't it? We see, we think, oh, my goodness, I'm, I'm doing okay. And then you look at someone else and go, oh, I'm not doing okay. Look what they're doing. So what do you, what do you say when someone, when someone does do that? Where, you know, where do you kind of go to next? I mean, you, you're obviously acknowledging that it happens a lot. What, mm. what do you say? Look, it's, um, it's a really easy, and I'm not, I'm not trying to make people feel bad or anything. It's a natural kind of, uh, you know, you jump to the most obvious metric that you can find and mm. the follower count is put right under your nose there on your Facebook page. Um, and Facebook probably does that deliberately in order to encourage you to, to pay for more followers and build your audience. Well, you don't think so, do you? Oh, look, I wouldn't <laughs> put it past them. Right. <laughs> but um, look, when people start to go down that route, it's the, the immediate thing is you have to remind them of you know, what is the actual goal of your Facebook page yeah. and ultimately what's the value of those followers. Um, we've had 
many projects and uh, my own projects or other projects for other people that I've worked on where uh, our following has been far smaller than, you know, your next best competitor, you know, where you have one page that has 10,000 followers and and your competitor has 100 or 150,000 followers and you you know, geez, that is so massive. How am Mm. I ever going to compete with that? But then when you start to kind of dig a little bit deeper, um, you start to look at things like how engaged the audience is, uh, you know, and then ask some more serious questions like how many of those followers are actually converting into paying customers. Mm. Um, if you have the, the biggest social media following in the world, that's, that's amazing. But if, if it's not earning you any extra uh, revenue for your business, then it What's really doesn't point? count for anything. Who cares? Yeah, of course. And look, you, you're, you're talking a lot about Facebook and I'm, I'm assuming that, that you, this is true of, of any social network as well. It could be Twitter, it could be Instagram, it could be anything. You know, the, the, the situation's the same, isn't it? It's not how many people we've got, but what are we doing with them? Absolutely. It's, it's, it's always, no matter what sort of platform, it's always quality over quantity. Mm. Um, I usually speak with, regarding, with regards to Facebook first because it's familiar to the, the largest number of people. Um, but absolutely, if, if you have uh, 50 followers or 30 followers and they are super you know, really hyper engaged with your brand and they follow really closely, that's far more valuable than having 5,000 followers that don't really care about what's going on. Mm. So, okay, so let, let's imagine that we've got this, um, you know, this, this hypothetical small business person in front of us and you're having this kind of conversation. So, you know, already they're starting to feel a little relaxed, a little better, you know, as, mm. in, as indeed I am hearing you say all this. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, that's, it's all very well to say that, but then what, where, would you, where would you start them off? So I'm saying, okay, Stuart, I accept that I've only got 50 followers on Facebook. What, how do I, how do I um, increase engagement? How do I uh, use that number to benefit my business? Like, you know, again, where would you, where's the kind of starting point with, mm. with that sort of thing? Yeah, look, when, it's a really good question. When people are sort of starting with social media, uh, with you know a new startup or small business that they're, they're sort of bringing to life, it's really important for me uh, to start with your your content strategy that you're you're going to put onto your social media platform. Right. And a lot of people will go in all guns blazing and start hammering out their uh, their posts, which are all you know we've got this sale on or this promotion. Mm-hmm. Here's our latest product, and that usually falls flat because people in the early stages, they need to kind of build up a level of trust with your your brand yep. and people don't follow you on social media so that they can have your promotional material, you know, shoved in their face every day. Mm. They're following you for more of an emotional reason. They want to connect with you on a, on a deeper level. Sure. And then after you kind of establish that that trust and they get to know you on that level, um, then people start to become more comfortable with the possibility of, of buying from you. Um, it sort of goes goes like that. It's sort of a bit more of a delayed gratification. Yeah, of course. Okay, sure. So, I mean, that that's, again, that obviously, you know, anyone listening to that is going to go, well, yes, that makes sense. 
And to a number of businesses, and you know, we see it. We see it in our forums where someone starts a new business and comes and blurts out what they're doing. Mm. You know, as if the world is waiting for this new business. And actually, <laughs> you know, I'm sorry, but we're probably not. Um, you know, so yes, you, it, there is that that need to nurture. But again, if you're talking from um, you know a point where maybe people are coming up and they're you know they are promoting, they're selling, they're doing something every day or you know every hour even. What's the kind of frequency? How long do you think realistically? Let, let's take, you know, let's imagine a small business that's just starting now. They've got some products and some services to sell. Um, how how long do you think it would take? I mean, this might be an impossible question, but I'll ask it anyway. <laughs> how long does it take to build and nurture that smallish kind of group of people before you can start to promote, would you say? Yeah, look, it's, it is a case-by-case case sort of – it's difficult to give a one-size-fits-all type mm. of an answer there. Um, it can be as little as a few weeks or maybe even a few months, which it realistically isn't, that, isn't all that long in the scheme of things. No. If you had to wait three, four, five months before people start to buy stuff as a result of your social media activity, that's not such a big deal. Mm. Um, but – Generally, um, I would say, you know, put together an initial content strategy which is designed to nurture those initial followers down the path of becoming more comfortable with you and your brand, the advice or the, the tips or the content that you're posting on your, on your uh, social media platform. Yeah. And then after you f- you'll, you'll sort of really quickly get a feel of what people like and what mm-hmm. they don't like. And it doesn't take long to kind of start to tune the type of stuff that you're posting and then be able to just every now and again slip in a promotional, you know, hey, here's this offer once yep. a week, say, for example. Yep. And you'll start to see people get more comfortable with transitioning to your website, moving through your shopping cart and things like that. Yeah, so okay. it, it, it is sort of very much a, um, you know, uh, test and measure type scenario, mm. but it doesn't have to take you know two years to get to that point. No, so. okay. And I get you know the point you're saying there. I guess what, what we what we do have, particularly with Facebook, is we do have indicators, don't we, that people are connecting with what you're saying, whether people are liking it or they're posting a comment. So, again, I'm assuming one of the key things that we that we really must do is we we must be kind of all over our social media. We don't just post something up and then and then ignore it for the rest of the week we need to, i mean we notice this on our comments on our on our website with our contributors and you're one of our fine contributors mm. you know a contributor that responds to a comment quickly and and involved gets involved in that discussion mm. is likely to create much more of a, of a relationship and engagement with that person so that those are the kind of things we need to be doing i'm guessing absolutely mm. and the um you mentioned sort of not sort of dropping your post and then leaving for a week and just hoping mm. for the best. The the insights, putting together the uh, stats and information that uh, the platform insights and I'm imagining Facebook insights in, in my head as I say yeah. this, um, is really critical because as you say, you can get a really strong idea of, you know, the views, the click-throughs, 
uh, how much, uh, how much, how many times it gets shared around and commented on. And then once people do start transitioning through to your website to potentially buy something, you can see if you've got Google Analytics, which I hope you've got Google Analytics installed, then um, you can see how people are moving through your website, whether they, you know, click on your post through to your website, but then they maybe only get halfway through your shopping cart. Okay. So, you can start to identify issues there. Um, but yeah, it's all about um, testing and, and measuring and, and really sort of looking at what works and what doesn't and sort of optimizing your activity over time. Yeah. And do you, do you get many situations where you have to sit down with someone and say, look, you know, what your problem is, is you're not actually writing very well or you're not writing interesting things? I mean, do you find that, because not everybody, I mean, far from it, not everybody is, is a competent marketer. You know, Absolutely. And it's yeah. one, one thing to have our business and know about our means of delivering our product or our service. That doesn't mean we're any good at marketing. So what do you say to those people where they're clearly just not getting it right? I mean, what's the solution there? Yeah, look, it's it's a great point. There's sort of a, a – for a lot of people, there's kind of a really fundamental mental shift that needs to take place where you go from – thinking of yourself as a business owner when you're, you know, crafting those posts and scheduling them in and, and doing all that sort of stuff and, and changing where you really take on the mindset of the people that are following your page, what they're actually looking for, the kind of problems that they're trying to solve. Yep. And once you make that mental leap, you're able to much more easily, uh, you know, communicate in a language that they're going to respond to because you kind of understand the issues that they're facing. And if you're still struggling to come up with that on your own, then you can absolutely look at uh, competitors' pages that are doing success, doing uh, you know quite well. Yep. Or even if they're not directly your competitors, you can sort of there's plenty of case studies from similar industries or you know comparable businesses that you can look up and see what they're doing on social media and and take a few um, a few plays out of their book and go. I'm going to adapt that that mm. sort of strategy to to what I'm doing and just kind of you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Just kind of adapt what someone else is doing. Yeah. Okay. So your response there really is is you've got to learn you know you've got to look at what other people are doing read what other people are doing emulate to a degree what other people are doing what you've not said um is is go and find someone to do it for you is that is that because you feel that as sort of solo small businesses do we should we be doing this ourselves or what what are your thoughts on on outsourcing that task look um i would say when it comes to outsourcing if you have the resources to outsource to professionals that you know can get it done quickly, then then do that. Because mm. my my personal belief is your time is better spent doing, you know, working on the things that you're an expert at and that yeah. may not be social media. Yeah. Um, but for many small business owners, they're not they're sort of not at that level where they have the capability to to you know employ someone to do that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. they don't have the funds. And so f until they get to that level, they grow to that point, they do kind of have to take that on. And so there is that that learning curve. So yeah, I would say mm. if you if you can outsource it, do so. Uh, but if if you don't, then yeah, try to learn 
the best practices that you can from people that are already doing it successfully. Yeah, I think I, I, I agree with what you're saying. And I do uh, certainly I think if we're outsourcing anything as well, we need to know what we're doing before we outsource it or else it's, you know, it's more like abrogation of responsibility than it is outsourcing. Mm. And that, that re- rarely ends well. Yeah. Um, but so watching other people, watching what they're doing, looking at the analytics, understanding <clears> what's happening. What about um, also, you know, I, I was reading some research recently about not, not just about startup businesses, but about business in general and the businesses that, that um, don't succeed and happily, you know, the numbers are, are not as, as woeful as some people would, would have us believe. But often the businesses that don't work, uh, they fail because there's just not a market there. Mm. It's just not enough people for the products or service that they're selling. So to what extent do you feel um, that some small businesses are kind of hiding a little bit um, from their customers on social media as opposed to sitting down with four or five of them and talking and understanding? I mean, do you do you sort of advocate for face-to-face connection with potential customers more and more, or what's your thoughts there? You know, it's a funny kind of a thing, and... Uh, this is something which comes up. I'm part of a, a bunch of different small business Facebook groups and mm. you, you sort of listen to the discussions that are happening and it, it makes me really sad in a way when you hear someone say, oh, I've got this uh, idea and I've run it past my friends and my family. They all say it's really awesome uh, but, you know, it's not going so well. I'm not really sure what's going on um, to which the 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 kind of well for me the obvious response is um basically ignore what your friends and family <laughs> say because they're always going to say nice things well they're either uh, yeah but i found friends and family either say nice things or they say incredibly destructive things but well that's, that's true they <laughs> yes. very rarely say things that are sort of level yeah anyway. yeah that's absolutely right and i think one way or another you have to have a way of canvassing real people who actually might purchase whatever you're selling. Mm. Um, I've personally never sat down with, you know, got a bunch of random people in a room and, you know, done a a sort of a a survey like that. The only way that I've ever uh, sort of tested a business idea to see if it's viable is to literally create a a website and get yeah. a, get a platform to a point, even if it's not totally finished, and then start advertising and see how people respond to mm. those ads. So, obviously, the downside to doing that is you have to spend a little bit of money to do that, but it doesn't have to be massively expensive by any means. Um, but it's a great way to get a real, a really brutally real indication of if your idea has legs or not because if people let's say you run some ads on on facebook or you put some some adwords ads up and no one responds to it well just the sil- it's yeah. a bummer but the silver lining is you're going to save yourself a lot of, of time effort money and, and heartache yeah look i think that, i think that's a great response and that probably shows just the the, the di- distinction between my slightly old school thinking and and your positively not old school thinking but, um you know which is probably an age thing but let's not go there but um yeah i think it's a great idea that and the, the beauty of um of running facebook ads or again you know ads on other social networks is they are low cost and we can ch- test a headline and we can sit back and fairly you know fairly quickly see 
is this connecting with anyone or isn't it? And um, mm. you know, as you say, it it can cost a bit, but my goodness, it's it's probably not much more than you know renting a room and and shouting sandwiches for half a dozen people. It's 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 you know we're not talking big money here. So um, when you when you work with with people. Uh, let's say you're working with someone who's, you know, there might be somebody listening who's on the verge of starting something, maybe finished a, you know, a career and decided right now's the time I'm going to try something on my own and get started in the kind of direction that you're talking about. Let's imagine that it's running and things are ticking over. Um, in terms of ongoing sort of nurturing whether it's i'm not I'm not thinking about you as, as necessarily as as a as somebody in a consultative role but mm. as someone running that business you know it does it ever get to a total sort of set and forget you know one post every two days blah 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 do we just commit can it be that straightforward or to what extent do we need to be in there you know shifting finessing changing amending you know what's your thoughts there well, are we talking specifically with regards to social media? Yeah, I or? think I think we should at this stage. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I I have had. Well, I don't think I've ever had a scenario where it's truly just schedule your posts and just walk. You know, come back next month when you have to schedule the next month. Right. It's never been like that because no. if your posts are effective, you're going to have people sharing and commenting and doing all sorts of stuff and you want to at minimum be responding to some of those comments and listening to the conversations and seeing you know because inevitably you'll gain some insights about oh hey I'd like to see more of this or oh so and so is doing that you can learn some valuable lessons to improve what you're doing so if you even if you were super successful and you just set your posts up and walked away and didn't come back for another month uh, you'd be missing some opportunities there for sure. Mm. Um, so that that being said, um, you can have, aside from the inability potentially to respond to those uh, comments and messages and whatnot online, it is certainly possible to get things to a point where you can schedule your posts or your content uh, over time and have a huge degree of confidence that you're going to get a certain amount of results uh, either in terms of interaction or indeed financially through sales of your online store and things like that. Uh, there was a project that I worked on uh, probably three or four years ago now. It was an online retail store and those posts would be completely scheduled uh, a month in advance right. and uh, once they started ticking over, I would basically come and monitor comments and see what you know if anyone had any problems. But aside from that, it was just basically wait and and watch the the sales come in, and mm. it generated a quite quite a predictable level of sales uh, every month uh, consistently. Nice. So that was that was quite good. So it definitely mm. is possible to get it to that kind of a level. Yeah. Okay. So it is possible, but again, what I sort of heard in the background there is, but but you've got to keep an eye on it and. And, you know, that that's how it is, isn't it? I mean, I think that happily, you know, I remember oh, probably 10 years ago now, everybody was talking about passive income. Every second sentence had passive income <laughs> as a phrase in it. Mm. And um, and I'm frankly, I don't think I ever really believe that there's such a thing because 
I think for anything to work, it takes some effort and it takes some um, monitoring. And you, you know, the businesses that succeed are the ones where somebody is there keeping an eye on things and is mm-hmm. adjusting and improving. So, going just going back to to yourself and and some of the, the the websites that you built, do you still have ownership in either of those big directories? Absolutely, yeah. yeah you do. Um, okay. So the directory and the uh, the gift registry are definitely uh, still uh, owned by myself and, and my wife. She's okay. co-founder, so yeah. um, must give some credit to her as well. Um, <laughs> she'll be very so. mad if, if I didn't if I just claimed all the credit. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so just give us, if you would, just a snapshot of of, of a sort of a typical week for you. So you're you're running a couple of your own businesses with your wife, who clearly does. I think we've all picked it up. She obviously does most of the work there and is the <laughs> real brains behind the businesses, which is great. Just Definitely. give her that shout out. So, um, how much of your time do you spend in those, and how much you know? How, how what does a typical week sort of look like for you? Uh, they are relatively uh, touch wood low maintenance okay. um, because, well, I guess it comes down to partly the nature of the service. They right. both, uh, both of those services are entirely digital service related. So there's okay. when someone spends money, there's no physical product that is actually sent to them, it's all uh, digital services. Right. So that automatically mm. cuts down all the potential, you know, legwork with uh, delivering physical objects, um, which is one of the main motivating factors of why I chose to start those businesses in the beginning. Um, because we were chasing the uh, passive income dream just like everybody else was. Yeah, yeah. So um, a typical week is, well, there's a lot of, Email correspondence that goes goes uh, between uh, myself, my wife, and you know the other people that we have uh, who do work on the the business, offsite developers and okay. uh, people who do that kind of work. So that's kind of backroom management of of, of both those businesses. Definitely. So yeah. I use a, a, a really nice piece of project management software uh, called Podio, okay. and that basically enables me to log any support issues and automatically delegate them to the appropriate person. Uh, It enables me to keep track of uh, external content contributors and make sure all that stuff is going Mm. on track. So it really is enables me to as much as possible sort of step away and just make sure that things are kind of ticking over uh, the way they should be. And, and most of the time, unless something really serious comes up, I can do just about all of it from my phone. Yeah, that's brilliant. So you've clearly designed those businesses with that picture in mind and you're, you're now in that position. You're, in, you're enjoying, enjoying the fruits of, of your kind of your own design and development there. So when you look at a business like that, though, um, can you look sort of I don't know ten years ahead? Is that do you, do you see? Is that business has it got a long life? Those businesses, or do you, is it going to adjust? Is it going to change, or is it not kind of something you worry about too much? No, I'm um, I'm a big time uh, meddler with spreadsheets, so <laughs> that's probably where I have to discipline myself not to spend too much time in in dreamland, right. um, because. Obviously, all these projects start off in sort of, uh, you know, a, a test phase where I'm deciding whether they're going to go the distance or I'm going to 
kill it off. Um, and so when they start showing some promise, definitely I'm sort of extrapolating, uh, you know, growth predictions and figuring out, okay, well, if we expand like this in one year or five years, this is where we might be hmm. and sort of making those long-term vision plans. And right. the benefit of doing that is when I have sort of a five-year plan, then I break that down and, you know, this is where I want to be in five years. Then I sort of segment that down into one year and 12 months and it can literally drill down into my monthly and weekly goals and things that I want to have done to keep me on track. Fantastic. That's just so good to hear that. Brilliant. So you're working on those. You've got those, you say, very, very tightly run. Um, and, and I love to hear you're a spreadsheet kind of guy. That's most <laughs> impressive. Um, and you've got a clear sort of path ahead for those. So if if someone listening to this is saying, well, yes, that's all great. I want some of that. I want to be able to build a business like that. Do you work with people in that way as well? Do you support them? on? And, and I, I generally don't know the answer to this. Do you support people in a consultative role? Um, look, the most most of the time, my consulting type roles are more hands on executing when people or coordinating work when people are looking to outsource. Yeah, I, I do do some uh, sort of consultative stuff when people are in those really early stages, but generally it's more sort of a generally I have those conversations for free to be quite yeah, honest okay. because they're, they're quite stimulating for me. I get mm. really excited and I'm always been really a bit sort of um, ADD when it comes to bright, shiny new things. Right. Um, so I find them really fun, those conversations. I get really pumped up for other people um, and generally they kind of happen over, you know, dinner and a cup of glass of wine or something yeah, okay. like that. I don't at this point sort of, you know, make money out of those kind of no, things. No, okay. So you've got a real passion for business by the sounds mm. of it. Where, just my sort of final question, where does that come from? Uh, look, I've got to say that my dad, I, I don't know whether he um, deliberately did this. He's very, he's exactly like this. And so I think obviously being, you know, partly his genetic code in me and also just growing up and he, he was always a really if you've got an idea well you know let's have a go don't he never ever was someone to say oh no you can't do that because of xyz he was always really um enthusiastic about trying new stuff and he's in his mid 60s and he's right. still exactly the same he's been a a handyman his whole life yeah. and just a couple of months ago this, this mid 60 you know 65 year old guy starts up this uh, starts a cleaning business and is it's going gangbusters now so he's he's been like that his whole life and i guess just being around him it just kind of you know rubbed off i guess fantastic that's that's so good to hear it's yeah more times than than not you know i blame the parents so that's that's (laughs) that's great news look Stuart, it's been great having here so um people listening who'd like to contact Stuart, learn more about what he's doing and and maybe try indeed to get one of those um coffee chats with him going uh just head to stuartbrown.com.au that's s-t-u-a-r-t stuartbrown.com.au so you'll see Stuart's work on flying solo and uh, i would just say one more time that support for this podcast comes from sendal the door-to-door parcel delivery service that's cheaper than the post office head to sendal.com forward slash flying solo to get free sendal premium worth 120 dollars a year so Stuart, it's been terrific thank you so much for sharing your time with the flying solo community and uh, look forward to reading your next piece sometime soon i hope thanks so much thank you 
And that's where we'll leave this show from Flying Solo and your host, Robert Gerrish. We'd love to receive feedback, even a brief review for those listening via iTunes. If you're planning to start a business or rejuvenate the one you're in, check out our bestseller, Flying Solo, How to Go It Alone in Business. It includes everything we know about working on your own. And of course, we invite you to dive into the resources and supportive community at flyingsolo.com.au. 